With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I played a clip on Monday's show uh, from Adam Silver that I thought was really interesting, and um, our next guest I saw post a, a, a response to that. Um, Steve D'Agostino's been a, a coach involved with USA Basketball, the junior level of the national team, uh, coach in the court, works with uh, uh, youth players, and understands our youth system uh, probably as good as anybody. I invited Steve on the show to talk about this. First, Steve, good morning. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I want to play this clip. It's the end of a two-plus-minute clip when Commissioner Silver is on the TNT set and it was first Charles Barkley asking about NCAA basketball, what can be done. But I thought the back end of Adam's answer was really telling. And I talked about it on Monday, but I'm curious your thoughts. First, let me play uh, uh, this clip. This is Adam Silver. Wouldn't, for the domestic U.S. players, without a great development system, they're not, you know, you guys didn't just fall off the turnip truck. You guys all came up through incredible systems that developed you into NBA players. We're seeing that internationally. I think there's a reason why you're seeing so many top-notch players come in the league now so skilled. So it's it's not just their college level, but we got to address youth basketball in this country. There's, there's a whole big ecosystem that we have to fix. All right, that's Commissioner Adam Silver, and I'll give you the floor, Steve, because I think he's saying our problem's bigger than whatever's happening in college basketball. I think he's concerned about the development of U.S. players. Do you agree? Yeah, I think there's so many different pieces to what he's saying, I think. Um, and for me, so I'm a player development coach. I work with NBA players all the way down to youth players. And so I've, I'm lucky enough to see kind of all the different levels. And so, like, for me, it all starts with foundation. That's what Europe does really well. We can talk about the systems they run, the way that everything's structured. But what they do do for their players is youth basketball is serious. They're trying to win games. They're coaching and they're teaching but they're holding players accountable to the foundations. Like, what does that mean? That means you don't run back on defense. If you can't keep somebody in front, if you over dribble, if you don't run the offense, you're coming out of the game, right? And you're going to learn how to play the team game of basketball first. And then you're going to develop the individual skills after that. And then, so that's, what's going to decide the type of player you're becoming. So like you think about Luca, right? What makes him stand out from all the other European players? Not his IQ. He understands the game just like all the other European players does. But now his individual skill is able to take over. And, like, that's the issue with a lot of American players is we don't build that team basketball foundation. We build the individual skill first. And then when it comes time to play winning basketball, whether that's in college or the NBA, players don't know how to do that. They only know how to uh, use their individual skill to try to win. And so that's where I think it all comes from. But, again, some of the problems is – you want, like our young players watch the NBA and in the NBA, there's defensive three seconds. So it's really, really hard to help, right? It's more of entertainment basketball. So for me, I appreciate what Adam Silver is saying because yes, we do need some changes, but like for me, it starts from the top down. Like you watch the all-star game. What do young players want to do? They don't want to be a foundational player and be really good at team basketball. They want to be like LeBron or like Halliburton in the all-star game. 
So I think there's a lot of different issues. For me, it starts with building that foundation. Steve, where did we go wrong, and can you rebuild it, or do you have to completely change the model that we have right now? I I think it's the U. So this is one of the problems, right? The USA is so big; it's it's so hard to govern every aspect of youth basketball because at any point somebody could pop up a youth basketball team and do it however they want, right? And so. I think there needs to be a bigger commitment on the elite level because that's what he's really talking about. He's talking about the players, the best ones in the country that are going to end up being in the NBA and then other ones that are going to be a high draft pick. And so when those kids are younger, how are we holding them accountable to playing team basketball to like, right, like right now, if you're on the Nike EYBL circuit, which is the best AAU circuit out there, if you don't like the team that you're on, you just flip and go to another team. Like there's no, there's there's no ad- handling adversity where, as the players in Europe, they're 16 playing on the senior team for Real Madrid. They're playing six minutes a game. You tell me who's going to be able to handle adversity more when they really get up to the professional level, right? And so I would say this. If everything stayed the same, but we built coaches that held players accountable to the foundation – we would have better we would have better american players entering the nba isn't part so, of that uh, i'm sorry isn't part of that no, problem ahead. though the quality of coaching where an aau model that exists can also be a business first for me and i'll yeah. get the best all-star team so how do we fix 100%. the coaching challenge i i don't know if you can because <laughs> there's so, how how can america have that many good coaches right do you know what I mean? There's so when you're talking about like okay in Slovenia or Serbia, you're going to take the best players in that country and you're going to put them in ten different teams or academies, right? And and those best players when they're 13, it's going to be similar all the way through. You see here in America, the best eighth or ninth grader typically is, or you take the top 20 eighth or ninth graders, they're not going to be the best 20 when they turn 16, 17, 18. I see it all the time with USA basketball. There's too many players that develop uh, later. It would be really, really hard to keep that model. I see it with USA Basketball when I work with the junior national team. There's like uh, the players that make it on the under-16 level, it's like less than 50% of them will will make it when they're under-17 or under-18 because Uh, there's new players popping up. uh, Steve D'Agostino is with us. coach, developer players, works with our USA national team, works with NBA players as well. For people that may not know, Steve, share with a scaled-down version what the process is. If I'm 12, 13 years old in Europe, what's my path compared to what we know here? I play, you know, middle school ball, I play high school ball, I'm on an AU team, I'm on this team, and I'm bouncing around. Share what the model is like in Europe, and I do wonder um, why that seems to be working better. Yeah, so so when when you're 12, 13, you're playing for a club and you're playing for that club, you know, 11, 10, 11 months out of the year. So you get the same coaching throughout the year. You'll have your off season where you're practicing a couple times a week and you're not really playing games. But then in the season, you only play one game a week, right? And so you have your, uh, you know, five, six practices and then you go and play one, maybe two games in a weekend. And then the better players from there, as you're 12, 13, 14, once they get to like 15 years old, then you start having the national team. So the Serbian national team, the Lithuanian national team, where they start identifying the top 15, 20 players in each age group. And then when they're 15 or 16, 
the best of the best will then with that club go and play for their senior team. So, like, if you would imagine it here in the NBA, it'd be like the New York Knicks having a club that goes all the way down till to, like, under 10, right? And let's just say Cooper Flagg is, is the best player in the country right now in high school. Cooper Flagg goes up through the Knicks system. When he's 15, he's training with the Westchester Knicks and the New York Knicks. And he may be on the bench for the New York Knicks games, but he's 16 and he may play two minutes, right? And then what that's building for those players is they're learning how to be a professional and they're not a superstar. The ego can't be there. Whereas our high school players, what happened, right? Our high school players, all of a sudden, they, um, they're on every single, they're on every single, you know, Instagram outlet. They're superstars in high school. Right. And so that's the path for them. And it's a lot different than the path for, for our players. Um, just to play off of that, now in high school, you can transfer wherever you want. You can uh, transfer as many times. And now the transfer portal in college basketball. Um, how do you, how do you truly develop? I mean, a, a coach juggles the, I got a guy for one year, but he's not happy he's going to leave. So again, to play off the points we've talked about, I don't know how to fix that. Because the kid now is taught, you don't like it here, go there. As you said, for AAU, I can play four different teams in two weeks. Yeah, I don't. So so what they do well in Europe is the consistency of the coaching and the development. I don't think, like, if you or I were a college coach, development wouldn't be number one on our list. It would be getting the best players. Because you're only you could only have three months, maybe four months, from June till October, and then the season starts. You may have four months to actually try to get them to learn your system. There's really not that much time to to try and develop them, right? And so you're right. The way that it's set up now in high school and with we had a kid up here in New York who was one of the best players in the country who went to eleven different high schools. Like that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so I don't know. You don't change it. The system in that sense is is for sure broken um, because no coach in their right mind is going to put development first for players that they might only have for, for three or four months when their job's on the line if they win. They do a great job developing, but they don't win games, they're out, right? Give me your thoughts on the style of play. Uh, trends come and go. I don't know if we'll ever see an era of dominant low-post players, uh, Akeem yeah. and Shaq and Patrick. But how does our current style of play also impact player development? I, I, you know, I've said before, a guy my age in, in his mid-50s, I can't duplicate LeBron James, but I can pretend like I'm Steph by shooting a three. And in this uh, five-out, yeah. let's shoot threes, how has style of play also impact the development? Yeah, I think uh, definitely, right, it's, it's these kids when they're growing up, they're going to do what the NBA stars do. And so... You know, you look at the, the best players in the NBA right now, a lot of them are centers. So you look at Jokic, you look at Embiid, you know, even Giannis I'd consider, right, like a power forward or a center. It just changes a little bit. So, like, if I'm a center and I want to be a back-to-the-basket, low-post big, you look around and you're like, that's hard to do uh, if I'm trying to be in the NBA. In college, it's a little, right, it's a little more you can you can make that happen. But what you what you are seeing, the one skill that these bigs have is they can pass the basketball. Right. And so if I'm, if I'm going to adjust right to the times and I'm a big, I'm, I'm going to be able to pass the basketball. That's the number one thing. You're going to be able to run my, your offense through me because I can catch, I can face, I can make any pass on the court. The Steph thing, and I actually got a post coming out this week about this. It's funny. I think Steph just changed his TikTok, uh, bio to say like, uh, I did not ruin basketball, right? Cause everybody says he ruins basketball. Right. 
And when you look at it, it's like you look at all the things that Steph does well. Shooting the basketball is one of them, right? What he does well that that other players that are good shooters don't do is he moves extremely well without the basketball, which gets his teammates open. He sets screens for his teammates. When he gets double teamed, he gets rid of the basketball. He's he's probably the happiest I've ever seen for NBA guys for when his teammates do well. When Clay broke the three-point record, he was the first one up and cheering, right? He fights on defense. There's all these things that instead of saying, oh, don't be like Steph, we should be like, yeah, be like Steph. Don't have Steph's shot selection because he's the best shooter in the world, but you should be like Steph because look at all the things that he does really, really well. And so I think, again, a lot of this narrative is like, what, what are we looking at? We're only focused on shooting for one guy or we're only focused on Jokic doesn't post up all the time. Yeah, but he's a great passer, right? So I think we got to change our perspective as it comes to like development and the type of players we want to be. I want to end with this, and this is, uh, you know, for parents whose maybe kids are not the, uh, a part of that great 1%, but you had a clip up recently, uh, that's still there on your Twitter about parents and the obsession of the level their kid plays in. We all want our kid to play at the highest level and play the most minutes, and sometimes that's not the best decision for them. How should a parent go about that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the one thing I always try and say is, uh, you know, players are going to be happy when they're playing, right? And a lot of that is if you're good enough and you do the right things and you're a winning player and you can help a team, it's about then going to the right level and so i've had players that i've trained so for me myself i played division two basketball i had uh, a couple uh offers to go to division one schools some ivy league schools if i had gone to prep school and i just wanted to get to college so i played division two i went to a place where i started for four years and was an all-american and so i had literally that experience of like i went to a place where i could play and had success i've had players who have gone the opposite route and have gone They've gone to try it at the Division One level, and they've been miserable because they're on a losing team, they're not playing, and then they transfer down to a Division Two or a Division Three, and they're like, man, this is basketball's fun again. And I'm like, wait a second. Basketball is basketball. It's just your situation. You've gone to now the right level. Nobody forced you to go to that higher level. You chose to chase that higher level, right? And so for us, it's about really examining and saying, wait a second. I have the best chance to play at this level. I'm going to have an opportunity to impact winning and have a better experience. Nobody cares what level you go to except for you, right? And so that's uh, that's how I would approach it, um, just because that, that was my experience. Uh, you can check out uh, Steve's website, dagsbasketball.com. Uh, you can also follow him on X and Twitter, at uh, dagsbasketball, Steve D'Agostino. Steve, good catching up. Thank you. hope we talk again soon. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. A um, little bit of insight as to our development issues. Uh, and, and, and we talked about this. It's not just in basketball. It's in soccer. It's in baseball. It's in softball. It's our obsession with travel teams and all sorts of things. A lack of coaching and different agendas. And uh, it's a big problem in our world of youth sports. Busy 11 o'clock hour coming up. The former commissioner of the MAC uh, will join us. Still very much involved in college sports today. Rick Chris is going to share his thoughts on how the G5 survives in the current climate of college sports, and then I'll defend the guy that everybody said you can't defend. All that more coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, but it kicks off with Kyle the News next. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.